Welcome to the Stop Drinking Podcast, where we help you make stopping drinking a simple, logical, and easy decision. We help you with tips, tools, and strategies to start living your best life when alcohol-free. If you want to learn more about Stop Drinking Coaching, then head over to www.soberclear.com. Alcohol is the only drug on the planet where you need an excuse to not drink it. If you go out with your friends and you say, ah, do you know what? I'm not drinking tonight. A lot of the times they're going to turn around and say, come on, man, just have one just for tonight. It's my birthday. It's Christmas. It's this, it's that. But if you'd had an addiction to painkillers your whole life, nobody's going to say, come on, man, just have one painkiller. But alcohol is a different beast. The thing is, is there are people out there that profit billions and billions and billions of dollars from your drinking problem. Now, I want you to imagine this scenario. Imagine you were born yesterday, but you were born and you could speak, you could talk, you could walk, right? You you were born like a, a capable person. And then this person comes up to you and says, welcome to the world, David. Welcome to the world, Jennifer. I've got a contract here and you need to sign this contract right now. And he said, what's the contract? And they put the contract down and he said, you're going to pay me $200,000 over the course of your lifetime. I'm going to steal your energy. I'm going to steal your health. I'm going to steal your family. I'm going to steal everything from you. And I'm going to put you in a grave 20 years early. And guess what I'm going to give you in return? Nothing. And the individual looks at you in the eyes and says, yeah, just sign on the dotted line. Why not? Everybody else does it. You know, you don't want to be the only one that doesn't spend all this money. And, and, and you know, you can't be the only one, surely. And you're like, is this really the world that I'm getting born into? Like, what are you talking about? He says, yeah, everybody does it. Don't worry about it. And then you look past the guy and you see a Rolls Royce, you see a Lamborghini, you see a beautiful home, you see a beautiful family, and you ask him, well, do you drink that stuff? He goes, no, of course not. You're thinking, what is going on here? Now, I know it's a bit of a silly scenario, but would you sign that piece of paper? No, you'd probably end up drop kicking that guy in the face saying, leave me the heck alone. But the thing is, is that we actually signed that contract. We signed that contract, but nobody actually asks us if we want to do it. Nobody asks us if we want to participate in it. But just by being born into this world, you are signing that contract unless you do something about it. And this is the thing, is that unless you actually do something, unless you actually address this, it's very likely that you will spend $200,000 on alcohol in your lifetime. It's very likely that it will put you in an early grave and it will cost you, maybe not everything, but it will cost you a lot. But I promise you one thing, the best thing about this contract that you've already signed is that it is so easy for you to rip it up right now. It's so easy for you to just say, do you know what? I don't want this contract anymore. I'm done. The only way you can get rid of that contract is by deciding to not drink alcohol. And do you know what happens when you don't drink alcohol? You don't spend $200,000. You have an extra $200,000. You have more energy. You have a better relationship with your family. There are only good things that happen. There's not a single bad thing that happens in your life when you remove alcohol. But actually, there is a disadvantage, but there's not a disadvantage to you. That individual I was talking to you about, the one with the Rolls Royce and the Lambo and the mansion, there'll be a disadvantage to him because no longer will he profit from your early death. Instead, you use that money, that health, that energy to better your life, to better your family's life, to be the best person that you can be. And some rich, greedy person, they're not going to profit from you. You do stupid things when you're drunk. You hurt yourself. You, you compromise your health. It's really hard on the people around you. You tend to turn into a liar and it screws up your life. You need something better than that. You need to get out there and have something to do. Yeah. And, and something worth waking up for. And you need, that's the substitute for the addiction. You suffer enough that something inside you goes undone. And I'm my lucky because I hit that point before I lost Really, the things that were the most important, was not my career or money, it was my relationship with my kids. And when I felt as if it impacted them, I recognized it. It, it was the worst day of my life. I made amends. And I, I, for a while, I thought maybe this is temporary. Maybe this feeling is going to go away. But since that day, I swear to Christ, I have not ever wanted to drink. 
once. Ever. Wow. So it's the easiest thing in the world because every time I think about it, I'm just like, holy shit, that's the worst thing in the world. I don't want that. I can't do that. And that's the piece that people find. So now I'm that asshole who's like, you know, I'm grateful. I learned a lot. I actually got to be a better person through this process and I've lost the obsession. In your late 20s, you stopped drinking. Stop drinking, yeah. Very difficult? No, beautiful, unbelievable. Better. Oh, are you okay. kidding? I would never be sitting here with you. No way, no chance. Because? Because I wouldn't have been able to have access to myself or other people or even been able to take in other people uh, if I hadn't changed my life. No way. And I never would have been able to have relationships that I do. I never would have been able to take care of my father the way I did when he was sick. So many things. Thank you, Bradley. Bradley just put his daughter to bed and rushed over here to do this. He's, he's a sweetheart. I got sober because of this guy. And every day has been happier ever since. What I realized was I was... I was running to things to avoid, to avoid tough feelings, painful feelings. Um, I just didn't know how to deal with them. And looking for anything I found that I, I, I use for escape, to escape, I guess, difficult feelings. I don't know how better to describe it. I mean, that can be anything. That can be drugs, booze, Netflix, <laughs> you know, snacks, um, anything. I don't want to be, I don't want to, at this point, to be running from anything. I want to be, I want to sit in it, I want to feel it, I want to get through the rough night. And I found um, in doing so, you just, you come out the other side with, a, with a, a more profound understanding of yourself, a, a greater gratefulness for um, those in your life and the birds and the trees and everything else. I would call it a problem. It's now not a problem. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I drank in search of happiness and in search of a lifestyle that I thought would bring me to happiness. Um, it didn't, and I woke up one morning going, wow, I've drank a lot, but I'm still not happy. What's that about? And, um, you know, now we're about a year and a half later, and, it's, and my life has been has turned around immeasurably. It's a wonderful thing. And I, I say to anybody watching or, or listening to this that, you know, it's... Um, there is a lot of pressure on young people not to drink necessarily, but to find happiness through going out and getting mashed. <laughs> like, like, and, and, I'm sh and that's fun, and you have a good time, and good luck to you. But if it doesn't work for you, and if you keep waking up going, hmm, I don't seem to be having nearly as good time as most of my friends, uh, then, you know, then think about it. It doesn't have to be something you do, is what I, all I'd say to people. It was more just that I lost everything. Like, I, um... Oh, you did? I mean, I was practically homeless. Like... How old I, were you when you, when you, I was 24 uh, when I got drinking. sober. Um, but, you know, I came out of school, and I had wanted to be... You know, it's a funny thing, too, with the hubris of youth and, and of me in particular. Like, I came out of school thinking that I would come to New York, and New York would be like, Oh, now we understand. Like, welcome. And they... New York was like, what? Like... And I, and I was a big failure early on with like some, I had a theater company, I had all these artistic pretensions and I basically wound up being, not being able to make any money, not, people not liking anything that I did and just being, you know, practically kicked out of my apartment, unable to support myself, unable to hold down like a waiting tables job. Uh, my friends all started to abandon me because I was very angry and, and a horrible human being to be around. 
Um, and then finally, like my girlfriend, who I never thought would leave me, like left me. And so I just got to this point and I was about to be kicked out of my apartment. It's that awful thing that you hear every alcoholic talk about. And if they don't talk about it, they're lying. Like it's, you just become an awful human being. Like you just, um, you're selfish. Was there a moment that was like the crystallizing, uh, like, oh yeah? Yeah, I mean, I was gonna kill myself. And then, really? you know, I did, oh yeah, yeah, but I didn't have the, you know, I'm gonna say courage to do it. Like, I didn't have the, uh, I had a cat and I was, this is a funny thing where like, I actually had a, a baby cat. And I remember reading somewhere that if there's a dead body in an apartment, because I didn't have any friends too, so my body would have stayed in the apartment for maybe weeks and nobody would have discovered had I, I paid my rent. And I was like, apparently dogs won't eat you, but cats will eat you. <laughs> they will eat your body if they run out of food. And I was like, wow, like, I don't want my poor cat to like, Jesus. you know what I mean? And so I was like, so that was the moment where I Are was like. Are you telling me that if you didn't have a cat in your house, you maybe, would have killed yourself. Maybe. I mean, that could have been a ruse. But I did wake up the next morning and I had a friend who'd been sober for a million years and I called him and I was like, hey man, like, you know, uh, you know, my life's in trouble. And he was like, why don't you get sober? And I was like, no, 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 man. It's like, it's like I just need it's a new girlfriend. Like no, I need a girlfriend. He was like, why don't you get sober? And I was like, no, 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 man. I just need a new job. I, if I get a job. And he's like, why don't you get sober? And I was like, no, man, it's the jelly donuts. Like, I gotta stop eating the jelly donuts, and then I'll be fine. He was like, why don't you get sober? And I was like, maybe I'll get sober. <laughs> and it just like, and it just broke, and I went to a meeting, and then like, and then like, it is that thing where it's just, you know, your life just changes, and people are nice to you finally when like no one's been nice to you. And I can bear when it's done, it does max the, it masks the pain while you're doing it. But when you wake up the next day, you're even more depressed than you started, because whatever is in the alcohol puts you in a bad state afterwards. And I just spiraled out of control. I didn't care. I didn't want to live. I'd lost the passion to live. This went on for 18 months. Wow. Of me battling my own self every day, drinking, abusing my body, eating rubbish, taking and drugs. I ain't going out for a few beers and coming home. I was going out to try and kill myself with drink. I can't tell you in words how I felt, how down I was. When you lose control of your own mind, you're in a bad place. But every time I got drunk, I'd come home and I'd say, right, I'm starting training in the morning, regain mission. I'm going to be the heavyweight champion of the world again. You watch. You were 400 pounds. 400 pounds. I was the man who called Wolf a thousand times. Phone all my friends up, phone chain up, get them all going, come on. We're going to do it Monday. Monday had come, no, I do not want a box anymore. Finished. Turning point was, I went out Halloween, dressed as a rare skeleton in a fancy dress party. I went out about nine o'clock and expected to stay out all night and get smashed. I had one drink, I looked around me and I thought, what am I doing? I said to myself, you're telling me that you'd rather be here with a load of kids half your age? Because I feel like the old person now when I go out, I'm 30. Yeah. They're all 18 old. and like, I know it's 21 over here, but over home it's sure. 18. They're all like 18, 19, 20, 21. And I'm, uh, I'm like the old guy in the disco bopping around. Is this what you really want when you've got a family at home and you're depriving your kids and your wife of, of quality time? I come back. I went upstairs to my room. I got down, I took the skeleton suit off and I got down on my knees and I was in a dark room on my own and I was praying to God to help me. I was begging, there was tears rolling down my face. I was down there praying at least 10 minutes and I'm an emotional wreck. Me, me, me shirt's wet all, I feel all my chest all wet. 
crying my eyes out like a baby. And I got up off my knees and I felt a weight lifted off my shoulders. And I called out to my wife, I said, Paris, here. She said, what? I said, tomorrow. I said, I start to turn my life around. She said, yeah, yeah, I've heard it all before. Because I'm the man who cried wolf a thousand times. I said, I promise you. I said, I'm going to do it. I'm definitely going to do it. Nobody believed me. But I knew I had a smile on my face, twinkle in my eye. And I knew I had to get that weight off. By the way, at this time, I was looking at a 12-year ban. I'd failed two drugs tests for cocaine because all the time I was out, I was still doing random drugs tests. The British Boxing Border Control had suspended my licence. I was deemed medically unfit to fight by the leading psychiatrist in the country. And I had millions of pounds, millions of dollars in, in um, lawyers' fees to pay on ongoing battling court cases. But I am so confident that I'm going to come back and everything's going to be swept away. From that day, I got my tracksuit on in the morning and I was going to run two miles. I got about 200 yards and stopped. And I thought, right, I can't, I can't run. I've run all my life, I've always been a very good runner. And I got 200 yards and I was totally gone. I could feel my belly moving on the... It wasn't like a fat like jelly, it was like solid brick. It was, a, it was a horrible feeling. I thought, okay, I'm gonna walk the rest. And I walked. And while I was walking, I was on my phone and I saw a little video from Deontay Wilder. And he said, ha, Tyson Fury let himself down, let his family down. He said, he's that fat, he'd never come back. He said, and I'm glad he's gone because I'd have knocked him out anyway. Just rambling on nonsense here. Yeah. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to give it you proper. You're my motivation now. I'm coming back to get you. And, and every day I'd go out on the canal and I'd do a little run in my sweatsuit. And every day I'd get a little bit further until I was doing four or five mile again. I went to the boxing border control and I said, right, I want my license back. I'm going to make a comeback. They said, right, you need to pass the same person who made you medically unfit. You've got to go and get medically fit. And if the, that doctor makes you medically fit, mentally and physically, then we haven't got a problem with it. I said, fine. So I went and saw all the psychiatrists and everybody I'd saw, Dr. Phil, Dr. Martin, all these people. They said, excellent. Perfect. He said, no problem. Stamp, bang, bang, bang. Every one of them deemed me medically well and everything was back to normal. I just had 400 pound to shift. Goes, I said, there you go, bang, reissue me licence, thank you very much. They had a, a board meeting, a, a high board meeting, and he said, right, approved. But bang, reinstated me licence. I couldn't believe it. And everything that I had obstacle against me was now gone. I was on a clear running path. Only had to lose some weight. And then I come back and I worked my way back and we worked repetitively, day in, day out, day in, day out. And um, I'd had that first fight, lovely. It was, it was, I felt like a fish back in the ocean. And I've never looked back since. I haven't drank or uh, took drugs in six days. And for me, that's a miracle. I've been lying to everybody else to think I was sober, but I'm not. This is my sixth day. I'm never going to use again. I was just a young boy that just didn't understand myself and never gave myself um, any time to grow or just anything. Um, I just thought I was tough, and I just wanted to believe that. And really, um, we're in a different world. This world we live in, this is not a tough man's world. This is a thinking man's world. You know what I mean? Tough men get hurt in this kind of world. See, we have to try to be appropriate in our thinking and our manner. You know, I just try to, um, to the best of my ability, of course, you know, just do the right thing. Thanks for checking out the Stop Drinking podcast by Sober Clear. If you want to learn more about how we work with people to help them stop drinking effortlessly, then make sure to visit www.soberclear.com.